Mac Football Pod. Caleb, I hope you feel better. I, I, I don't like that you're on here not feeling well, but I'm glad that you're here uh, trucking along. I feel better when Ohio drops 40 on Northwestern in Evanston on September 25th. Remember how I was like, oh, man, this is like a non-conference schedule that I would love to have if I were Ohio, man. They're in the best position. Po- uh, yeah, about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not feeling, not feeling great right now uh, about Ohio football. And I say this. When all of these uh, preseason picks once again put Ohio in good standing, and I'm like, um, who the hell voted Ohio preseason number one in the East? Like, who in their right mind? As an Ohio football fan, I still have no clue. It's just why. conditioning. It's just conditioning. You know, people—they're mentally conditioned. Yeah, yeah. they're put Miami. People put Ohio in front of Miami. Put Ohio in front of Buffalo. Put my Ohio in front of Kent State. Dumb, dumb as shit. And that doesn't mean Ohio can't have a good season. But, God, God, what what do, what do other people think they see? Yeah, right now they're playing uh, about as bad as you could ask for. Lost to the FCS school. We'll, you know what? We're going to – we'll get back to them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just, just really bad. I Really quickly, I do want to say, like, in my power rankings, I had Ohio 12th. <laughs> uh, sorry, well, guys, about, but uh, you, you lose to Duquesne. If it's about performance, like, I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, I mean, hey, you want to know how many times Duquesne beat an FBS team before this? I'm going to go with zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. When, when did they become a football program that was playing FBS-level competition? Uh, doesn't matter. It's never happened before. It's, it's, it's going to be like 1997 or some shit like that. Yeah. Um, this episode, though, I mean, we're not going to go through all the games, obviously, because that's, that's not what you and I are about when we, when we get together. Uh, I do want to talk about a few things where we just like kind of look at a situation now that we've like had time to kind of like reevaluate some things, learn some things about these teams and kind of like point to like a specific part and say, all right, what's the next step for you in terms of improvement? Uh, we got three things lined up here. Got We're going to focus on Toledo. We're going to come back to Ohio. And then I also got my alma mater on here, too, um, which is Eastern Michigan for you first time listeners. Toledo, uh, specifically Jason Candle, you know, a while ago, especially at right after the 2017 championship year, we thought, all right, this is a guy that's on the rise. You know, Matt Campbell did a good job of leaving behind a pretty good coach for for Toledo to have some success with. You know, obviously won that title, blah, 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 blah. Mount Union guy this, Mount Union guy that. Even when... Like UCF opened before this past year, right before Heupel got hired in or when he took the head coaching job, you know, Candle was a guy that was in consideration to replace Scott Frost at the time. That's what it was that was leaving. And that didn't materialize, so he stuck at Toledo. All right, you know, whatever. He's got a great thing going, you know, great recruiting. You know, they can win some games, you know, just off of, just off of that. Uh, I, I cited last, you know, over this, this past year, especially in 2020, some of the coaching changes that they made after 2019 have been materializing well, and that's still true today. But him specifically calls the timeouts and makes a lot of the decision makings uh, in-game, does a lot of and gets a lot of the fault for some of the, uh, the time management situations. Western was a game last year where Western won and it was all great and all, but that could have been won by Toledo three minutes before. We talked about that before, Caleb. Yep. 
that happened again at Notre Dame of all places. They went to Notre Dame. They were going to be, you know, Notre Dame was a top 10 team. Uh, I thought Toledo played really well for itself all along, you know, especially on defense where, you know, I was kind of scared the most on how it would hold up. Played really well. I don't care if Notre Dame was top 10, top 25, or unranked. Uh, I thought Toledo walked away defensively playing really, really well. Notre Dame's going into four minutes left in the game and having scored the ball, what, four times? No problem. You, you, if you're a Toledo fan, you have no issues with that. Mm-hmm. Can't, you can't have an issue with that. So, yeah, they played great. Uh, less than four minutes in the game left. You know, Notre Dame, they need to, you know, they, they need to finish this thing. Uh, Toledo, though, they cause a fumble. And then Toledo's offense, they drive downfield. About a minute 40 left, third and one. They're on Notre Dame's 25, right? Toledo has all three timeouts. Notre Dame has one. Now, this is the same problem last year where, like, after a big, you know, a big play, uh, it was like Bryant Kobach that had the, the touchdown run, right? And then Western mm-hmm. scored, had the onside kick recovery, scored again. This time, Dequan Finn, third and one, read option, gets a good, does a good pull, has open field in front of him, and instead of just, like, getting down and letting the clock kind of expire, kind of forcing Notre Dame to maybe think about using that timeout at some point, instead of going down right away, he goes in for the 25-yard score, which is way too soon. Which, which is way too soon. Which, let's just say, they were losing before this score. Yeah. In the issue, in the matter of Kobach versus Western Michigan, Toledo was winning. Yeah. And all they had to do was hold on to the ball. In this case, you're losing. So. Yeah, the score. Yeah, the score was Notre Dame twenty-four, Toledo twenty-two at this very moment. In this case, you do not know if you're going to score a touchdown. So I cannot fault the coaching or Finn. However, going into the end but like you're like less than all right. You're like a buck forty, buck thirty in after that run, right? You could down right there, you know, get some time off there. You're well within field goal range. I just said that play happened at the twenty-five. Like you're only asking, you know, your kicker to boot one from like Clucky to hit one from like what thirty-eight yards out. You're playing, dude. You're playing a whole different ball game. If you're winning, it's a completely different thing to do. To be to be in that position, winning versus losing. If you're losing, you do not know that you're going to get the field goal kickoff, that you're going to get the ball into the end zone. You're going up against a defensive front that is bigger, athletic, more athletic than you, and you're saying, well, I trust that we're not going to you know, put the winning go-ahead score in the end zone now in favor of doing it later. You get the score. If you're losing, you get the score. I'm just saying, you know, you know upon review. Finn did not do anything done, wrong. I, I, I'm not unhappy for this guy. I'm just saying that, like, the smarter move would have been, you know, drain it down and let, you know, well, play for that kick. because it's, then not you, the, it's not the smarter yeah. move. You cannot know you're going to score in that situation. You're going up against a top 10 team in the country at their place. Mm-hmm. Literally anything can go wrong. If you are losing, you take the touchdown. You're losing. I, I get you're not what, winning. You're if losing. If the excitement gets the best of you, sure, but I don't. I mean, mathematically, like, you could have won by one. Mathematically, you do not know what is going to happen next. It's literally a matter of, are you going to score against the number 19 in the country at their place? You go in for the score. It's not a flop. For Jason Candle, though, because he's the one that has to prepare this team, and he's the one that could have reviewed this, because this is the same, you know, situation, like I said, like, they, they found themselves in at the Western game, too, right? When they were you know. winning. 
they're losing at that point. And then when they Kobe, got the score to go back and win. Kovac went into the end zone when they already had a touchdown, when they were already up by what? Three points? Uh, I believe so. I don't know. Let me, we're going to have to check that later. It doesn't matter, though, because this should have been a win for Toledo, and it just didn't end up being that. And Jason Candle, this isn't the first time that, you know, Candle's found himself in some situations. So, like, for his career trajectory, like, I'm starting to think, like, is this his last head coaching gig? Like, did he, like, kind of coach himself out of prospective hires up? I can't believe you put me in the position to so ardently defend Toledo football. This is where we are, Alex. Are you happy about this? This is what you're proud of? I'm saying nice things and defending Toledo football. Hey, I'm giving you the floor to not. <laughs> I'm I, I'm over here saying like, hey man, like I got this hammer for you. Let's swing it together. And you're like, no, no, no. Nah, because <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> I I did, no, I I 100 agree with myself and not you. <laughs> I'll, I'll remember that next time I'm in a Twitter argument with anybody. I 100 agree with myself, not you. <laughs> Boo! You stink. <laughs> make a meme out of that <laughs> uh, okay he's not matt campbell 2.0 but is he uh i don't know man is he getting another head coaching job in the fbs realm after toledo or is there an argument to say that he's kind of coached himself out of uh moving up in the world uh, i mean i think if you're him um if this isn't satisfactory to the level that you want you know you're not, you're not winning championships and you're not uh, able to move up. I don't see why he wouldn't try and be a coordinator at a bigger program. Other coaches have done it. Other successful coaches have done it. And if he's got the recruiting acumen and, you know, doesn't have the day-to-day operational responsibilities that come with being a head coach, maybe that's something he'd like. I don't know. I'm not in his head, but I would think that with his background and his experience leading a major college football program, which Toledo maybe is one of the few programs that you can look at in the Mac and be like, Oh wow! They, well, they they might as well be considered a major program, consider considering how they recruit, how they how they go about their business, how they do things for the most part. They're about as close to major as it comes in the MAC. Yeah, I mean, but like if uh, all right, let, let me rephrase it like this because like we know the world's changing like with the uh, with the conference realignments, uh, such as UCF and others going to the going to the Big Twelve, right? So like, let's say Gus Malzahn retires again in a few years. Uh, Jason Candle's doing whatever he's doing at Toledo still. Um, is UCF calling Jason Candle this time now that they have, like, more, you know, more knowledge of him? Nah. Think, UCF's, yeah. UCF's either getting some young up-and-coming coach or another experienced coach who's willing to, like, step down from yeah. the SEC or... A better proven yeah. commodity. Yeah. I feel like Candle's in the middle of that. Moving on, Ohio. Uh, I could go all day about some of the uh, offensive choice choices and things that have to change for this team on just a lot of areas. We could go all day with it, especially after an FCS loss. A really, really embarrassing one and just not like the kind of start you want to have to this season. Like The Syracuse game was a dud. Duquesne was a dud. I do want to focus on Curtis Work, though. Because he was the guy that's been there for what? This is his second year in the program, third, yeah, second season in the program, something like that. Yeah, he's um, been on campus for for three years, I believe now. Yeah, like going on three years. 
Yeah, and I'm not going to compare him to his brother like that because like Nathan Rourke was just so good. Curtis Rourke, just let him have his own career. I don't, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not going to get caught up in that. And so far in the small sample, he's been doing okay, completing his passes. He's at like 70% for his young career. Rushing okay. He's more improved on average this year. Uh, a little light on the touchdowns, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, but what's not going to you know show up in the stat sheet is his decision makings, especially in the read option game. And I felt like there were a lot of opportunities in that Duquesne game where he could have just like, you know, one made better decisions, right? Like there was one safety play where they took it out of like their own one yard line and he should have kept the ball instead of handing it off to Oshan Allison and Oshan Allison ran into a bunch of traffic, ended up getting downed in the end zone. Uh, there were a few other plays where, you know, there was one play where they were like first or second in goal, something like that. Uh, had he kept it, he would have taken off and probably had some open field, maybe got down at the one, but maybe a score. But instead, you know, they suffered a loss of downs and ended up with the drive with the missed field goal. Uh, the coaching stuff has to improve. There has to be some creativity in this offense that's just not there. But at the same time, could Rourke himself be playing a little bit better? I have to argue, yeah, he's, he's got to be playing better. He has to be playing better than what he's shown so far. And I also think he's capable of it, too. Yeah, you know, I it's hard for me to say a whole lot about this. Uh, I didn't watch the game. I followed along on Twitter where I could possible because uh, of Saturday. Um, but... Some of your criticisms of, you know, the play calling, the decision making are very reminiscent of complaints that some Ohio fans, and when I say some Ohio fans, like me and my buddies, uh, had when we were in college and Tim Alban was the offensive coordinator, uh, being a little bit too simplistic in the option game, not mixing up the looks, uh, being really predictable. That playbook has not changed in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it's like a matter of, Hey, can we execute better than the other team can prepare for? And some teams can. Ohio's actually done a decent job of being better than other teams can prepare for uh, yeah, and yeah. more consistent for a long time. Um, they, they maintain a, 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 like a degree of excellence that allows them to win. Uh, at the same time, they are limited, and they've been limited for a long time, even with very talented athletes, even with talented offenses. And uh, I don't think much is really set to change because Ohio's not setting the world on fire. It's never going to set the world on fire in the recruiting trail and with the current coaching staff unless mm-hmm. we've got some magical uh, offensive coordinator or offensive recruiting analyst that I don't know of in the wings. So you're not going to necessarily have the superior athletes. Tuggle's obviously an absolute stud, and it feels like a type of guy that was just like, wow, what a find. Um, wide receiver-wise, they're, they're experiencing issues again. And they aren't better really at anywhere on the field except for really running back. So if you're only, you know, more talented and you're, but you're not, you're a little bit predictable. You're not being creative, creative in the playbook. There's, there's, there's still a lot to criticize. And and yeah, and Rourke still is playing like a young guy. He didn't play a full season last year. So there's, there's a few things that, you know, you look back on film and you're like, Hey, like nothing other than you just know you got to be better next time. And you've got to be prepared to yeah. make the right decision and not, not be predictable and not, uh, not, not, you know, not decide before time that you're going to hand off on a read option when the defense is completely loaded up, ready to go on your running back. 
Yeah. Like, I think, you can't make up your mind early, like, in that sense. So it's, it's at least my thought, but I didn't see much. So. Yeah, like, my twofold thought on, like, the read option improvements that could be made. Like, one, obviously, the coaching staff, right? Like, it, yep. it's got to got to get creative. I mean, look at Coastal Carolina. Never heard of them a couple years ago. And Ohio's been running the same offense since before that was even a football program. Um, they could be adding, like, they could, they could get, like, more creative across the board, especially getting the receivers involved. I also think that Rourke, though, he he has the ability to, like, change up the pace of the read options. And he, it's not just so much of, like, making the right decision, making the wrong decision. Like, he does have to slow it up a little bit, let the play develop more in front of him. He does have to make the better decisions, but he also could, like, you know, do one of those things where, like, he's moving with the running back a little bit by, like, a slide step or two to try to get that safety to bite or to try to, you know, alter the play in some sort of, you know, some sort of little way. But as I don't know, man, I don't know how much of it is, like, the coaching staff needs to really improve it. The coaching staff really needs to improve it. And I don't know how much of it, like, is in Curtis Work's hands to improve this offense. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like, this isn't a team that is going to have its defense bail them out. The offense has to put up some points, and he's the quarterback. Yeah. I mean, our defense has some guys that, you know, are going to be fast risers, but they're not going to be the best defense in the mic. And if you want to compete for East title, uh, something you either got to be – Upper, not upper, you know, one of the better teams in the East on the offense and defensive side, or you're going to be amazing at one or the other. This is very like either and or type situation, but that like the way I'm phrasing this, but they're not top end of the, of the conference in offense. They're not top end of the division in defense. They're just kind of mid, they're kind of mid at both, right? Yeah. Uh, that's a term the kids are using. I've seen it a lot more recently. Mid, great. Well, didn't uh, didn't you and I like previously say like this is the most meh team in the conference? They have been though, like yeah, for a, about half of the last ten years, they've been like the eh. yeah, like they're they're decent, they're coached well, they do things, they have good athletes sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you don't okay, so Curtis Rourke is not his brother. We aren't going to ask him to be his brother. However, he's not as as things are shake, shaking out right now. Even with a decent completion percentage, he probably doesn't shake out to be a top half of the conference quarterback. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't have like they don't have wideouts that set themselves apart from the rest. They have a running back that does, but Tuggle, after his, you know, he had a kickoff return for a touchdown. They didn't. Uh, they fed the ball to O'Shawn Allison more. Mm-hmm. They must have, you know, they must have seen something on film that they liked and went. Yeah, I don't. I don't, oh. know, I don't know if I don't know if twenty four got hurt or not in that game. I'd have to like. Yeah, I don't triple check it, but if, if Tuggle was hurt, I don't know. Yeah. Um, if that happened, I, I missed it. But like O'Shawn Allison received more carries, and if that's if that's a matter of choice, it's like you saw something you liked on film and thought uh, you want to save Tuggle's body. Maybe other than that, I don't know. Um, but you're not. You have to shake something up. Yeah. So something has to get changed. Uh, you're not Frank Solich, and Frank Solich, God bless his fucking soul, is not dead or anything. <laughs> But he, you know, got them to win for a long time. And they were still eh, pretty good for a long time. So are are you as a program okay with being eh, pretty good for the next four years of that contract? Or do you think you're going to last four years if you keep doing this? 
Sorry to put Tim at Alban, all, who's been on Ohio's campus for nearly 20 years in an existential crisis. And ultimately, I don't make these decisions, but you got to get creative in something, man, because otherwise, like, this program's going to meh itself out of existence Bro, and out of competition. Lost, he just lost to an FCS team. Look, I'm less worried about. I don't even think Mike lock. Jinx did that his first year. Now, PJ Fleck did do that his first year. I so am, more, I am far. <laughs> oh, my. That's true. I am far like good company. Uh, I am far less worried about this particular loss as I am like the lack of any discernible reason to think that this program will be a top-notch Mac program in a couple of years. Like, it's just like okay, business as usual, but with a less legendary coach. Yeah. And so, what is he going to do to set himself apart from the Solich era? Is it if it's business as usual? Do you trust yourself to be a bigger, like a better coach? Do you have brighter ideas? Do you want to do think, anything differently than what Solich did? If you want to do everything the same, but you have far less experience and you've just been like, had your mentor, you know, teach you the ways for the better part of like three decades between several different programs, what are you going to do? What are you going to do to set yourself apart and set this program apart? Because I'm, I don't see it at all. Last one, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Eastern Michigan, uh, but specifically whatever's going on with that offense. I mean, if you're a, if you're return, I don't care who you're facing, right? Because Wisconsin, they were gonna like run power all day, run like right down your throat. We going into the weekend going like, oh my god, they had like half a yard per play last week, blah blah blah. Like, yeah, whatever. It's oh. still Wisconsin. They can still run it down your throat, and that was yeah. that's what happened. Um, that and that's a defensive problem. I'm not gonna go there. I'm gonna go with the offense because it did exactly what we criticized about Wisconsin, which is that it put up 92 yards of uh, production on the field. And they've been, you know, this is a team that the stats say, hey, this is returning 90% of your production. And if that's the best that you can do, and you're like, oh, but we don't know what to do with both of our quarterbacks. No, that's a damning problem, man. Like. Man, if I'm like, I don't care if you're a player or a coach that is has any sort of responsibility to that offense. If that's what I'm putting out there, no matter who I'm playing, I'm kind of kicking my own ass because that <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, you know, uh, I th- we talked we talked a little bit about like what is Eastern capable of doing up at Wisconsin. It's like, well, Wisconsin has to, you know show that what they did the previous week in terms of just not looking like a competent offense uh, and looking like an early season Big Ten offense in some respects. Like, Wisconsin would have to look bad. Eastern would have to play at the top of its game and make it ugly. Well, Eastern's offense did the part of being the ugly, the ugly, you know, spoke in the wheel or whatever. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I don't really have much else to say about this game. Like, it's just... I don't think you were ever, if you were Eastern, I don't think Eastern was ever going to get much out of this game offensively, frankly. Yeah. And like the fact that it doesn't know what to do with like it's two quarterbacks. Yeah. It's just, oh man. Yeah. I think that, I think you're right. I think that this, this, the aspect of not knowing what the hell you're trying to do to move the football, even if it's against a team that's vastly superior, if you don't know what your identity is right now and you're still trying to figure it mm-hmm. out, well, I- you're not going to learn much against Wisconsin, unfortunately. Yeah, because, like, the game planning is incredibly passive because, like, on one hand, you have Ben Bryant, who's, like, the better gunslinger of the two, and you have Preston Hutchinson, who's the returner and, like, had, uh, you know, eight rushing touchdowns last year. 
Like, you know, that's the elevator pitch for those two, and that's true to who they are because Bryant's the one who gets sacked more. Hutchinson can make more plays with his feet. But, you know, if you're going to use Hutchinson to avoid the sacks, like, obviously the sacks have already happened. And if, mm-hmm. you know, if you're putting Bryant in because Hutchinson isn't making those throws downfield, well, you already missed the throws downfield. And so going you're forward, gonna be it's behind the chains, yeah. So like, yeah, like they don't know what they're gonna do on third down until they figure it out. Like, you know, like okay, you know what? Mm, I I don't know. They it's just not. It's just not like a very confident looking offense when they're shuffling up the quarterbacks. Like I get that you need the options, but you're not using them right. Yeah, and. I think there was there was at least a decent little bit of to be encouraged about with the offense week one, but you know if you take it with a grain of salt with Eastern, uh, who do they even have this upcoming week? This uh, dude, you UMass. dude. I'm UMass. S- if they can't figure things out by the time they go to UMass, you, I... it's a. Tw- <laughs> it already it's already a uh, Caesar Sportsbook already has it as a twenty one spread. Dude. I'm, and I'm not, I don't know. Like, dude, if UMass covers that, I might cry. <laughs> I, bet they, so I bet they bad. will. I bet they will. <laughs> I know. It's going to be like. Like, the fact that they put up any points against Boston College has me worried. It's going to be like 30 to 14, and we're going to come out of that game and be like, wow, Eastern does suck, but they did win by two scores. Yeah, look at all these one-score <laughs> victories over here. Oh, my God, at UMass. I mean, you also look at what UMass tried to do in the uh, in the fall, and it's like, why did you even try? It's that's I don't like to look back at the debacle because it's a really ugly time, but it is good for jokes. And boom goes the dynamite. <laughs>